0: invite you to turn in your Bible to the Gospel of Luke in chapter 24, Gospel of Luke chapter 24, and um, pray that God's Word will speak to you today clearly, <clears throat> and that I won't stutter too much uh, trying to present the message. I believe this is about the largest crowd I've spoke to here at Ekron Baptist Church, and I'm so glad, so glad to see you all. I know we got a lot of family here, uh, a lot of folks from out of town. <clears throat> we welcome you. We are delighted that you're gathered today in the house of the Lord. So glad to see so many children here today. So glad to see so many children. And I would just ask real quick, all you kids, if you're a kid, would you just stand up real quick? We want to celebrate you and thank God for you. Amen. You are our future. You are our future. We love you. We thank you. Okay, y'all be seated now. Um I usually kid the kids about uh, Easter time. I'll ask them, did the Easter Bunny come see you? And the different families have uh, different traditions as well. I know when I was a kid, I would watch my mom uh, color those Easter eggs. And then we'd hide them in the front yard and so forth, and we'd go out and and find them. And um, when we gathered all the Easter eggs, in my mind, I thought when they changed color on the outside, it was something good on the inside. But it was the same old boiled egg we had last year. Same old boiled egg we had last year. Today is entirely different. Now they've got peeps in them, right? And they've got chocolate and some coins, maybe some money. I mean, we've come a long, long way. We've come a long, long way. But some things stay the same. And that is the truth of the resurrection of our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ, of whom we read about today. While they were telling these things, now let me preface this chapter because they're this is the resurrection of our Lord, and he's appearing to the disciples. And before he appears to the eleven, and the, those that are in the upper room that are praying, um, he appears to two of his disciples on the road to Emmaus as well. And they've had a conversation. And Jesus has returned with them back to uh, the upper room area, and he is now going to appear in person after the r- resurrection to the 11 and when they were telling these things he himself stood in their midst and he said to them peace be to you they were so disillusioned they were so disappointed that their leader and their rabbi their teacher their hope and they called him the messiah the christ had died and yet here behind locked doors gathered the apostles And Jesus showed up. There's a sermon right there, but I'm not going to preach it. But think about the expectation of the resurrection of Christ for us all. Greater than we can possibly imagine. But they were startled and frightened and thought that they were seeing a spirit. And he said to them, why are you troubled? And why do doubts arise in your hearts? In the most disillusioned hour, Jesus just stood with them and was present to them. He did not reprimand them. He did not uh, say what he did before he was crucified. He would say so many times, Oh, ye have little doubt, and he would scold them time and again. But not after the resurrection. Jesus just stands there with them. And he's with you. I don't care what you're going through. He's with you if you will but just believe that he is and receive him as your savior and your lord he said see my hands and my feet that it is i myself touch me and see for spirit does not have flesh and bones as you see that i have and when he had said this he showed them his hands and his feet and while they were still <clears throat> while they still could not believe it because of their joy and amazement he said to them have you anything to eat and they gave him a piece of boiled uh, fish And he took it, and he ate it before them. And now he said to them, These are my words which I spoke to you while I was still with you, that all things which are written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. And then he opened their minds to understand the scripture. And he said to them, Thus it is written that the Christ would suffer and rise again from the dead the third day, and that repentance for forgiveness of sins would be proclaimed in his name to all the nations, beginning from Jerusalem." You are witnesses of these things, and behold, I'm sending you forth, the promise of my Father upon you, and you're to stay in the city until you are clothed with power from on high. Luke not only stops his gospel there, but he begins with the coming power of the Holy Spirit in the book of Acts. Today, our three-hour sermon that I'm going to preach in about 15 minutes (laughs) goes like this. We're going to talk about the resurrection of Christ and how His resurrection is greater than our expectations. And we're going to talk about also that His resurrection is granted and given to all who will believe and receive Him as Savior and Lord. And then we're going to talk a little more about the future, how the resurrection of Christ governs where we go from here. How the resurrection of Christ governs our future. As I said earlier, they were so disappointed after Christ had been Uh, crucified he had not uh, appeared to them yet and this is evidenced in several places in the bible and one of those is in chapter 24 of luke where the disciples used the word nonsense they were told that christ was not in the tomb anymore that he'd been resurrected the women had seen him and some of the disciples said nonsense in the gospel of john there's a story of doubting thomas and Jesus appears in that room, and Thomas comes in, and they said, Thomas, this is the Lord. And he said, I won't believe it unless I can see with my own eyes the scars in his hand, if I can see the scars in, in his feet. And Jesus opens his hand to doubting Thomas and says, Here I am. This is me. I'm alive. Thomas didn't even need to touch Jesus. He, he was um, Christ manifested himself there to doubting Thomas, and he knelt before him and he worshipped him as Lord and Savior. The two disciples that were on the road to Emmaus after the crucifixion were talking about the things that were happening in, in Jerusalem and how they were disappointed at the crucifixion of Christ. And Jesus appeared to them and said, what, What's been going on? And they scolded Jesus and they said, Are you the only one in Jerusalem that hasn't heard about the crucifixion of our Savior and our Lord? Uh, have you, are you the only one that's not heard about these things? And Jesus said, well, What things? Tell me more. Tell me more. And as they began to talk, Jesus had a conversation with them and told them about His death, burial, and resurrection and how this was the fulfillment of the prophecy of the Scriptures from the, law, the book of the Law and the book of the Prophets and the Psalms which covers all of the Old Testament, meaning that the death and resurrection of Christ was not an accident, meaning that God in His sovereign, his sovereign will sent forth His Son, born of a woman, and at the right time, Christ died for our sins. This was not an accident. This is not the result of human history, but divine history that has guided our days. And so today, you need to know that you're not an accident either, and your being here on Easter Sunday is not an accident to hear the Word of God because of all the things you hear me say today, this one thing I want you to hear, Christ is raised from the dead. And that makes all the difference in the world in your eternity. That makes all the difference in the world in your relationships now. And it makes all the difference in the world as to how you look at the rest of your life. The resurrection always triumphs our disappointments. The resurrection of Christ always triumphs our disbelief. The resurrection of Christ always triumphs our discouragement. The resurrection of Christ always triumphs our defeats. The resurrected Christ is the truth. It is a fact of human history. And it is always greater than our disillusionment. It is always greater than our depression episodes. We have a risen Savior. We have a future. And we have a hope. Now Satan is at work right now to take away from you the joy and the amazement and the awesome truth of the resurrection of Christ. And there are times in your life when you wonder, can I go on? You're like the women who are discouraged. You're like the disciples who are discouraged, and you wonder, can I go on? And the answer is yes, because you have a risen Savior. That's why you can go on. You have a future and a hope. That's why you can go on. Greater is He that's in me than he that's in the world. And that's the truth. And that's the truth we need to hear and hold on to. And until we read God's word regularly, we will not hear that truth. We hear the voices of this world that are trying to cause great despair, great dissension, uh, great discouragement, great disillusionment. But Christ wants you to know that he loves you. That's why he came to die on the cross. And he's given you and me the victory. That's why he was raised from the cross. The tomb is empty. The the reign of death has been swallowed up in victory. And as the Apostle Paul would say in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, which happens to be the most important chapter of the whole Bible itself, because he said here, If Christ has not been raised from the dead, our faith is in vain. If Christ were not raised from the dead, I would not have a gospel to preach. But everything we believe about God, everything we believe about salvation and redemption and hope and the future, is determined by the very resurrection of our Savior and our Lord Jesus Christ. And it is as if Apostle Paul was saying to the devil himself, like one of my deacons used to say to me when he got something over on me. I had a deacon in my church, every time he got something over on me, he'd say, nanny, nanny, boo, boo. <laughs> it's as if uh, Paul is saying to the devil, nanny, nanny, boo, boo. Death, where is your victory? Oh, death, where is your sting now? Satan, you are powerless. Death, you are powerless. We have life and have it forever. Jesus said, I came to give you abundant life and that you might have it everlasting. Greater than any expectation we have is the resurrection of our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ. And by the way, we saw Jesus right here eat some broiled fish with the disciples in his resurrection body. And Paul makes it very clear in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 that Christ is the first fruit of those who are going to be raised from the dead, the first fruit of those who are asleep. Our brothers, our sisters in Christ that are in the grave now will be raised with the resurrection body and we will eat broiled fish tacos with Jesus in heaven for all of eternity. I believe it. I believe it. That's the resurrection body, and it is a mystery. Paul says, Behold, I tell you a mystery, and I live by the promise of that mystery. Now, the women who visited the tomb could not explain the resurrection. Peter, who came to the empty tomb and saw the face uh, cloth had been folded up and laid down on the empty tomb, could not explain the resurrection. The two on the road to Emmaus to whom Jesus appeared could not explain the resurrection. The apostles who were seated in in that room when Jesus just walked through a closed door and appeared to them and began to talk to them and began to eat and dine with them and broke bread with them could not explain the resurrection and the resurrection body. Now that tells me something. That tells me that we do not live by explanations. I can't explain how I got here to start with. There's a lot about the world I can't explain, how the sun comes up every morning like it did this most beautiful morning. I can't explain everything. We don't live by explanation. We live by promises. We live by the promises that God fulfills in His time and His day and His way. And he said here, here is the promise, thus it is written, verse 46, that the Christ would suffer and he would rise again the third day. I cannot explain that, but I believe that because that is a promise that is factual and true, greater than anything else I could expect. Let's talk for a little bit in verses 34, 39 through 43 how the Lord wants to grant to all who hear and believe this resurrection life. There are some who have this theory that when Christ died on the cross, he just simply passed out, and then he was taken down from the cross, and then he was put in a tomb, and then uh, sometime between Friday and Sunday, now Saturday was the Sabbath, it was a day of rest, you didn't work on the Sabbath. That's why they didn't anoint the body of Jesus on the Sabbath, simply because it was the Sabbath, and they were observing the Sabbath. But on Easter morning, on that Sunday morning, Christ was raised from, from the dead. And some say, well, sometime between Friday night and during the day Saturday, Jesus just kind of woke back up because he was just sort of unconscious on the cross. But that's not true. That's called the swoon theory. And there's a lot of people that believe that, a lot of religions of the world that teach that. But if you go back in history, you will understand that the crucifixion itself was invented by the Carthaginians, and these people perfected it. The Romans perfected it even more. There was centurion that was a sign to each person that was crucified on the cross to make sure that each person was completely dead. They broke the bones of their bodies, uh, their legs, to make sure that they were dead. They pierced the side of our Lord Jesus Christ. They didn't even have to break his legs, the scripture says, because he was already dead. Everybody at that place testified that Christ was dead. And now, for those who will receive him, you understand that he is raised from the dead. Josh McDowell wrote a book called Evidence That Demands a Verdict*. He went looking for facts to counter the resurrection to say it wasn't so, but he ended up putting together all the evidence that there, that, there, that there has been gained in history, and he said there's no getting around the fact that something incredible motivated the disciples of Jesus, because when they saw the resurrected Lord, Their faith was strengthened. Their hearts were transformed. They were quaking cowards that were converted to roaring lions, and they died believing that Christ was raised from the dead. It's a central doctrine of our Christian faith, and because of it, we're here today. There are three gifts that we receive when we believe the resurrected Christ one we live a a forgiven life because Christ is raised from the dead the atonement of our sin and the the punishment of our sin has been paid for and now we are free from our sin debt it has been canceled we are free to live forever we're free to live a forgiven life and now we also are free to live a purpose-filled life We have a reason for living now. Our reason is to live for the glory of God. Jesus told the disciples, you are witnesses of these things and I'm going to send you with a purpose when you've been anointed by the Holy Spirit and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the uttermost parts of the world. And these apostles and disciples in the church after the resurrection live with a purpose. And you have a purpose, and I have a purpose now, is to live for the glory of God. Everything I own is for the glory of God. My house belongs to God. My car belongs to God. My furniture in my house belongs to the glory of God. Everything I possess, my family belongs to God. My investment belong to God even my debts belong to God he is going to take care of those things because he, it is for his glory and his uh, uh, victory over the grave that I live because I've been a witness to the resurrected Christ he appeared to me very quickly very freely through the Holy Spirit when I was nine years old and said son you're a sinner and unless you repent of your sin you will not enter my holy heaven And I said, Lord, I I don't want to miss heaven. And at nine years old, I gave my life to Christ. And that's changed my life ever since. And so believing in the resurrection governs our future now. The resurrection of Christ governs our future plans. Number one, we live uh, with a gospel-centered hope. I want to talk about hope for just a minute. We have a hope that the world does not have. We have an assurance that the world does not know about, and that Christ is coming in. We're going to live in a resurrection body in His holy heaven. We get to live forever and forever and forever. Now, in English and in modern day, the word hope has a connotation of, well, I kind of hope so. And that term hope includes some uncertainty. Well, I I hope so. You know, did you get a raise? Well, I hope so. Are you going to pass school? Well, I hope so. I've got a pastor a friend of mine who's got one class left, seminary. He'll graduate with a Master of Divinity degree. He's the pastor of Salem Baptist Church. You, play, you pray for Brother Chris. If he can pass Hebrew, he's going to graduate. And uh, I said, Chris, you're going to graduate? He said, I hope so. You know, in English, hope means also includes some uncertainty. But in this Greek-Hebrew phrase of the word hope, it simply means I have certainty. I have certainty because Christ has been raised from the dead. And this biblical hope is a life-changing hope. If I could bring it into an illustration like I heard this week, it would be something like this. You know, you, you, you go through life, you, you work every day, you, you, you serve every day, um, you, you, you go to school, uh, you go to work, you, you live your life. Imagine two people that are working for the same company, and their job is a very boring and menial kind of work. One of those guys is offered $20,000 a year to be employed in this boring, menial job. And at the end of a year, you're going to be paid a lump sum of $20,000. You say, well, there's no other jobs. I guess I'll take this one. That employee is going to be disgruntled all, all year long. But the second person is employed in saying, if you'll work for me one year, I will give you $20 million. Which of those two is going to whistle while he works? And which of the other one, which, you know, which one is going to be grumpy every day? Well, the guy's going to get paid $20 million if he can hang out for a whole year. You and I, have eternal life waiting on us. Think about that. Eternal life. How can we be grumpy? How can we be sad? How can we be disillusioned? How can we be beat down? Uh, We can only celebrate the future that is coming to us and live accordingly. During World War II, A German psychiatrist named Viktor Frankl, he's written a book called uh, Man's Search for Meaning, I think is the title of it, observed during World War II that those who lived the longest during the encampment were those who had hope. Those who really believed that they were going to escape. Those who really believed that they could outlast the war, and he gave one illustration he said, those who lose hope tend to succumb to the diseases of the, of, of the uh, in, encampment of Auschwitz and uh, Dakar and camps like that. And he's, he mentioned one person in his book that uh, had a dream. And he, he believed that uh, his camp was going to be liberated on March 30. And as he got closer to March 30, he tended to survive. He tended to to be okay. And he says in the book that uh, on March 29, he developed a fever. On March 30, he lost consciousness. And on March 31, he died because the camp had not been liberated. His loss of hope lowered his body's resistance to all the diseases of the camp. From that one study, we've come to learn that you and I are creatures of hope. We live for hope. We cannot live without hope. Folks, the resurrection of Christ is our hope. Our only hope to eternal life. Our only hope for meaning and purpose in the life in which we live. All that we are, all that we have, all that we will ever become is for the glory of our Lord. Paul said it this way. I am persuaded because of the resurrection. I am persuaded that neither death nor life nor angels nor principalities nor things present, nor things to come, nor any other created thing shall separate us from the love of God that is in Jesus Christ our Lord. That love of God is not just a sentimental love. That love of God is the love that died for you on the cross. That love of God is the love that raised Jesus from the dead. That love of God appeared to the disciples. And that same love of God is pursuing you and me to say to you and me, I'm for you. I am with you. Let me walk with you going forward. Maybe there's somebody here today that needs to give your life to Jesus. He's pursuing you right now. You're hearing the gospel, not as an accident, but by the will of God and the Holy Spirit that has spoken from the word, the good news of the gospel. And if you're here today and you're ready to give your life to Christ, I'm going to invite you to come forward in just a moment when we sing this song. And by coming forward, I want you to know that, that you are giving your life to the Lord. And we will pray together right here up front as you confess sin and say, Lord Jesus, forgive me and come into my life. Some of you may be led of the Lord to unite with our church from a Sister Church. We invite you to come during this time as well. Would you stand together in a spirit of prayer? Our Father, we thank you for this greatest of all news. The gospel is good news, yes, but the resurrection is the greatest of all news. And I pray, Lord, for that one person who's here today that knows they need to accept Christ and give their life to the Lord, they'll come today during this invitation. Lord, woo through your Holy Spirit and give that one or two people the courage to come forward and say, I'm ready to give my life publicly to Jesus. Father, move in our hearts now as we rededicate our life to glorify you with all that we are, all that we have, because we have a future and a hope in Jesus Christ. In your blessed name we pray, amen. You've been listening to the Sunday morning worship service of the Ekron Baptist Church. You too can accept the eternal life offered by Jesus Christ. First, admit that you are a sinner. Then believe that Jesus Christ can forgive you of your sins and ask him to come into your heart and change your life. Then confess your faith in Jesus Christ as your Savior and Lord. If you've made this decision today, write to us at the Ekron Baptist Church, 2775 Hayesville Road, Ekron, Kentucky, 40117. If you're looking for a church home, we invite you to be a part of our growing family with programs and Bible studies for all ages. Join us next Sunday at 11 a.m. for morning worship from the Ekron Baptist Church. Until that time, may God bless.